Hey everybody, this is Brock here, like always, I guess. Um, thanks for coming back to my podcast, Ida Collab and Beyond. Um, I'm excited about this, and in this episode, we called The Green Eyed Monster, we talk about the story of Cain and Abel. Um, I actually used to assume that protagonist meant good guy, but then I watched Infinity War and realized that Thanos was the protagonist of the story, not the superheroes. Um, and interestingly, when I reread the story of Cain and Abel, I realized that Cain is the protagonist of a tragedy about sacrifice, sibling rivalry and envy. That's what I thought. That's the impression I got. Um, and spoiler alert, there's not a happy ending in this story. Um, in the rest of this episode, I will take a look into the tragedy of Cain, as I and someone named JT, a good friend of mine, um, hide a collab and beyond. I was enjoying that uh, Abel pun, you know. Oh yeah, that, uh, wasn't that so good? Oh man, so how long did Kenny hit his brother? brother? <laughs> as long as he was able. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry about that, guys. That that is part of my intro there. Um, <laughs> there. Anyway, so today we are talking about Cain and Abel, um, and I have JT here. Um, had a couple conversations with you about a week ago, and I was really impressed with your thoughts. And I thought you might make a really good contribution in a conversation today. And I love talking about uh, gospel doctrine and, you know, how does it really fit in, in the real world. Yeah. I mean, so I'm, I was very interested in kind of like, you know, how do we apply these scriptural stories to our lives and make them, well, yeah. meaningful and important. Thank but, you for inviting me onto your podcast. I'm, I'm happy to invite you onto the podcast. It's an open invitation. To get things straight, I, well, I am a member. Technically, I'm on the books, but I am not active. I've decided that it's not for me. And JT is not quite on that same. Oh, I'm here. definitely more on the, the full gung ho side of the spectrum. Yeah, he even does Institute. Yeah, we'll see how long that lasts. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying, I'm repenting. Oh, there we go. Making it work. <laughs> Trying to live what I've yeah, How long? How long are you supposed to go to institute? I, I think Is it as long as you're single? I, no, I think you can go and I've had married couples in, yeah. in institute. I okay. Think, I think as long as you really want. I okay. don't really know if there's a cutoff date for institute. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I think if you want to learn more of the gospel um, in a structured setting like that, it is a good place to wet your feet. Yeah, like, someone, like, talk about it and have someone who is at least paid to... For people who are wondering why I, as a member of the... as an ex-member, as a whatever member of the church, continue talking about this, one, my family is in it, and so this is the language they speak, and two, it's a work of fiction that has lasted 200 years, so maybe it's got something to it. Or it's a, it's at least someone's best attempt at expressing the way he thinks the world works, which I think maybe we can learn some things from the way he saw the world if 
um, if we look at it that way. And so, at, at the very least, it's the language my family speaks, and it's the language my friends speak, and so yeah, yeah. it's the language that I have to speak, whether I want to or not, right? <laughs> and so, yeah. Sorry, a lot of people ask me that. And like, why on why on earth do you want to talk about these things if you don't believe in it? Why do you talk about the Matrix? Do you believe the Matrix existed? Why do you talk about characters in fiction? Do you believe? Why do you talk about Lord of the Rings? Do you believe that it's real? No. It's... But it's still a foundational part of one's identity and ability to view the world around them. Yeah, and it's a foundational part of the culture, and it it describes the way we view the world. And Lord of the Rings is a very well written lens into humanity, into um, hope in the face of just abject misery and suffering. It and the Book of Mormon is a lens into the way that people view the world within the church. And so if I can learn that, if I can remember that, then maybe I can talk to people. Mm -hmm. At the very least that's the way I view it. Well and I think it's a a, a way to, like you said to talk to people and uh, specifically here in Utah it's a way to to love people. These are the people that you mentioned in your life. You, you still love them. It's still a way of connecting so. with them. Like, <laughs> and they still love you. I hope like, so. <laughs> There's evidence like, of that. Yeah. You know, it, uh, I think too many people get caught up in what they believe over, you know, loving people. Yeah. It's. Uh, how, how it's an that easy mistake to make, and it's built into the belief system, um, because anybody that seems like an enemy of that belief system instantly looks like an enemy of your existence, right? Yeah. Like, it's it's extremely threatening, and I understand that. Well, good thing my testimony isn't threatening. Yeah. So. <laughs> Yeah, so thanks. Anyway, we've uh, had a we'll long prologue. Let's talk about the story of Cain here. Um, I'm probably Cain here, and JT's probably able. Hopefully, whoa, I learn whoa. from Cain's experience and don't murder him. <laughs> That's not a death threat. <laughs> I'm a little uneasy now already. Sorry. But, uh, yeah, but let's, uh, let's dive into this. We want to start in... Ver Moses 5, let's well, start in verse 5, uh, you know, so they tried to get a hold of him, yeah. and, you know, and he gave unto them commandments, yeah. that they should worship the Lord their God, and should offer the firstlings of their flocks for an offering unto the Lord. And Adam was obedient unto the commandments of the Lord. So Adam's probably a shepherd. Yeah, Adam's uh, offering the firstlings of the flock, you yeah. know. Um, let's get down into more of Cain's story, uh, which is in verse 16. Yeah. Yeah. So this is the birth of Cain. Yeah. And she conceived Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord, wherefore he may not reject his words. But behold, Cain hearkened not, saying, who is the Lord that I should know him? Yeah. I think that's a very important line uh, of questioning. Like, that really gives insight to Cain's relationship with God. Yes. Which yes. is, who is this guy? Like, I don't know him. It 
Could be. So, yes. what, what are your thoughts on that? My thoughts are this is back writing. This is taking a result and assigning. Mo this is the first step of assigning malevolent motive to his fault. If you look at Laman and Lemuel, there's no character in the Book of Mormon that is ever good, ever goes from good to bad. There's no character that ever, like, only Alma or a few others go from mm -hmm. bad to good. And those are just Paul redemptors, redemptors mm -hmm. right? But there isn't, like, a, a King David story where he goes from... Yeah. And so I think here, whether Joseph Smith wrote this, whether God wrote this, whatever, Cain is flattened out. Mm -hmm. Because, and I think this is the first step to where he's flattened out and a potential for good faith or a desire to sacrifice or a desire to do the right thing is neutered before it could ever start. That's that's what I see here. But mm -hmm. that doesn't have to be what you see. Yeah, that, well, yeah, and that that's fine. I mean, for me, I think of it as more of, like, how often... I, I feel like a lot of people are kind of... You know, this this is the church of my family, right? Yeah. This is this is what I you know this is what I do. Just going through the motions, this, not really looking up or looking deeper. This is what I, yeah. This that 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 is okay. the, the the mentality that I'm trying to, okay. to state. That like you know a lot of people are like, okay, um, I guess I'm going to go to church now because that's what my family does. I'm going to follow along with the traditions. Because that's what's expected of me. Yeah. And, you know, this the whole idea of, hey, like, you know, we could take that as a, a you know, we can take that as a, a you know, a, a malevolent being, as right? a godless being, right? Or we could, you know, like, it, it definitely, you know, we could take it as a character, or we could take it as a godless being, right? Or yeah, like it, this could easily be how often. Have, I mean, I know that I personally have the experience of being like, you know, who is this Jesus Christ? Like, yeah. you know, do I really want to know about this guy? Yeah. And so I kind of view that as it could be, it could be, uh, you know, teen rebellion. It yeah. could be an honest question. It could, you know, there's a lot of things. But, you know, it is probably, uh, there's probably a schism between the relationship of Cain and God. Yes. And and I think that's something that we can both agree based on that scripture. Based on this verse, I would say there yeah. is a schism between Cain and God, yes. Yeah. And so as we go through that, you know, and she again conceived and bare his brother Abel. And Abel hearkened to the voice of the Lord, and Abel was a keeper of sheep. But Cain was a tiller of the ground. And so, you know, the... Actually, I don't think there's much to say there. There's not a ton to say, except for the fact that, based on this, mm -hmm. Cain didn't have access to sheep, right? He couldn't get, he couldn't sacrifice his own sheep because he didn't have sheep to sacrifice. Mm -hmm. So, if we're taking this, maybe this is too facetious. If you want to be a leader in the church, get to be a lawyer. <laughs> and so, maybe this is a statement of, you need the right profession to have the right things to offer to God, or he won't honor you. He won't bless you. Mm -hmm. And that's a valid, if you want to look at it that way, it's a bit facetious, but like, 
it is, you know, it is a different skill set. You know, being a tiller of ground provides food for, you know, sheep and the community. Yeah. But is that, you know... But it set him up for failure under God's commandment to offer the firstlings of your flock because he had no flock. That was my statement. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I, I think that there's a certain amount of being happy with what you have. Mm-hmm. Right there, there's a certain amount of gratitude that goes along with um, your, what you currently have and what you can provide. Yeah, and not looking over and being like, like, I think it would be sinning for me to be like, oh man, I wish I was Brock. <laughs> like, you know, Brock has the best life. Like, he has an awesome giant mouse pad. Mouse pad. That, that's the he's doing podcasts. Awesome. <laughs> you know, he's a podcaster. He makes hamburgers, like, you know... It's all in the mouse pad. That is the epic symbol of status. <laughs> is the mouse pad? Is set in the mouse pad. Uh, but, you know, it would be, you know, it, for me to assume that I could take over your life or take over your position... Yeah. You know, I think that would be wrong, because I need to be me. Yeah. I need to be JT. But, yeah. So, that... I think that could be extrapolated, and maybe that is the justification for why the church promotes lawyers in its leadership hierarchies. Um, well, I think they need a lot of lawyers in the hierarchies. They, they do, but, <laughs> but maybe that's the thing, is the lawyers prepared themselves to have the right sacrifice for God, and so that's why God or the church promote them. Mm-hmm. And it's it's in profession, and it's baked into the story of Abel and Cain, um, according to Joseph Smith. Mm-hmm. Um here in 18, was that it? Yeah, yeah, in 18, Cain loved Satan more than God, and Satan commanded him, saying, Make an offering unto the Lord. So Cain is not following God's commandment here. He's following Satan. So Cain doesn't know who God is, but he knows who he's buddy-buddies with Satan. Like, that's that's a pretty big logical leap there. But yeah, I think it does fit, again, with what I was saying about mm-hmm. priming us for this process. Well, and if you take that away, you're right. This could be added evidence for uh, uh, this priming. But if you take it as not literal persons, okay. but more as ideological philosophies. So, anger. Anger, or, it, you know, uh, we, can, we can call it things like... Uh, A desire for justification? Yeah, like, uh, okay. you know... Um, because, like, what is loving God is keeping the commandments, right? Mm-hmm. Um, loving Satan would be keeping Satan's commandments. Yeah. And so, if you look at it as more as, uh, you know, this ideological, you know, here's a set of bad things that are, you know, yeah. not helpful for the community. You know, you, you like lying, you like cheating... You like breaking the Ten Commandments, even though they don't have the Ten Commandments. You like resentment. You like, like resentment. This is setting him up for resentment, if you watch. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he still ha- he's still participating in the community. He's still going to church. He's still... Yeah. And he makes the offering... Make an offering unto the Lord. And I, I guess we can keep on reading yeah. that... Yeah, in yeah. the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought forth the fruit of the ground, and offering unto the Lord. 
And Abel, he also brought up the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. Now Satan knew this, and it pleased him. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. Yeah, there's a lot that happens happened in that that we can talk about. Yeah, because uh, we talked about the the sacrifice is a similitude. We didn't read those scriptures, but the sacrifice is a similitude to Christ. Yeah, and Christ's sacrifice, um, because Christ is the Lamb. Yes, you know he, he's unblemished, um, or that. I mean, uh, part of the sacrifice is you, you can't break any of the bones in the lamb because yeah. Christ was crucif- yeah. crucified, but he didn't have any bones break broken. Yeah. There, there's a lot of those kind of like correlations and symbolisms that are kind of way above me mm-hmm. that I can't pull off in the top of my head. So there are some similarities there, but those same similarities don't really relate to fruit of the ground. That's true. There is an additional, and I will I will acknowledge this. I think it's interesting because, see, the fruit of the ground, you have a lot of control over. Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of is, you produce it, right? Um, sure, there are things that can happen, but when it comes to the firstlings of the flock, it's more of a, you have to provide a space for whatever flock you have to give birth and to grow. You have to provide the space. You can't now you can. Now you can take a needle and forcibly impregnate a cow. But back then you couldn't forcibly impregnate anybody. You had to give them the opportunity. You had to give them time. Time and the opportunity to do it themselves, right? Mm-hmm. And that idea is interesting because the role of a shepherd is in providing an atmosphere for the desired place. outcome can manifest itself, whereas the idea of farming, there's more agency and more control. Oh, interesting. I, I like that as an idea. Because uh, you're right. Uh, I yeah. feel like uh, so, I like that analogy of the you know the shepherd is really if we are the fruit, right? Yeah. Uh, to God's kingdom, then you know God's really giving us the the safe space, the the space to figure it out, to where hopefully giving us the atmosphere where the most likely thing is for us to progress and flourish. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, right? Like I can acknowledge, if you want to look at it as God, I can say, look, I can't decide. There is nothing I can do that will force an outcome in my life. I can't force. Google to hire me. I can't force Google to stop tracking me. <laughs> right? I can't do any of those things. I can provide atmospheres uh-huh. where the desired outcome is more likely. Mm-hmm. And when that desired outcome happens, I can say, wow, look at this. Isn't that cool? It manifested itself of its own agency. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a great way to look at parenting. I think it's a great way to have a perspective. And I think like on our life, and I think that there is something to be said about that in the difference between offering fruit and offering sheep or offering the first things in the flock. Mm-hmm. That, that uh, there is some space for that symbolism to show up. Yes. I would say that the idea of 
Jesus was backwritten into the story of the lambs and mm-hmm. the Jewish sacrifice, I think there are ways you can trace how the idea of sacrifice grew throughout history, and I think that Jesus was the logical conclusion of those stories. Mm-hmm. And so one could say that Jesus was backwritten. I would say it was more the inception of the idea, and Jesus was the end product of those ideas and those stories in our history. <laughs> I think there's a lot of wiggle room when it comes to yeah. scriptures that were you know, translated and retranslated by monks and... Over thousands of years. Over thousands of years. And so, I, we were, I don't take a very literal yeah. lens when, it does, when, I, when I do read my scriptures. Um, but, yeah, like I can, you know, it, but I can see a lot of uh, grease in the wheels. Make, make this easier to understand, you know? Yeah. At some point, it's all Greek to me, right? <laughs> and, and if someone actually had my point of view, they could have a faithful point of view from that, right? God, God goes giving humans the the most the maximal thing that they can comprehend as mm-hmm. humanity, right? They oh yeah, them, line upon line. Yeah, whatever you right. Can... They give them the maximum amount they can comprehend, and that's why throughout time it does build up to Jesus, and that's why throughout time from Jesus it does build up to all these other things about like slavery, right? Like Maybe that is God giving the maximum amount of information that our puny human brains can handle. And so that as a human race from maturing, that would explain why the church has changed about literally everything from its inception. That would explain a lot of things. Well, and, that's, and there is a case to be made about that. That is my belief, is that as we talk about the church is a continual restoration you know, mm-hmm. you'll have, uh, I think Nelson. Yeah, that's a uh, that's a phrase that's happened in the past mm-hmm. five years. It is a uh, continuing restoration. Uh, I, you know, there's a lot of changes that are happening in the church. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I think I've seen more changes under President Nelson's reign than uh, uh, Hinckley or um, Thomas S. Monson. So Hinckley was uh, the temple president. The president of all the temples, right? Um, except Nelson is now announcing more and building less. But um, <laughs> so you're saying Nelson is the prophet of policies? I it yeah uh, I yeah there, there's and Monson was the Mormon prophet. You know yeah maybe I wasn't noticing <laughs> it as I I think Monson did a lot for when did preach my gospel come out? early 2000s yeah um there, there there's been a lot of like huge changes there's been the uh realigning of um the come follow me yeah the where they're going through the gospels i mean we've always read the gospels in in that order but having a more unified and more like more family-centered and more reproducible so that it doesn't yeah. take a seminary teacher or a professional to teach present these concepts, and I will admit that there is something to be said for the fact that the church has finally stopped idolizing all of its past prophets in the books that, it, you know, uh-huh. we, we used to do Sunday school that was teaching us of the, of the prophets. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's... And, and now we're finally moving past the prophets and on to Jesus. I will admit that there's something good to be said about that, right? Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I think those are 
points to exciting changes that were the the gospel is developing and is becoming the bride that the church needs to be. Mm-hmm. Like we, we um, I probably shouldn't reference the 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 Revelation scripture where the church is is the bride of Christ, but oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know if you've talked about that. Or... I I have talked about it. I don't know if I talked about it with you. I talked about it a lot where like there is a defensible perspective where you say that the church is barely in its infancy and it's perfecting itself and eventually it will become a god like Christ or like Heavenly Father and Mary Christ, right? Well, I mean, I believe it's allegory, but I mean, it's uh, there. There is there is where it will eventually become perfect. Well, and I I think that's building Zion, right? Like it is removing all of these things that inhibit us from loving one another. Yeah, and, and that is the process of building Zion. And you know, it, you know, it, it's a it's a journey. Is anyway. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, we, we digress. We digress a lot, but maybe <laughs> you'll find it interesting. We were talking about Cain and Abel and the firstlings of the flock. Um, we mentioned that um, the firstlings of the fl- flock could be a symbolism of the future Lamb of God. It could be um, the very the simplest thing that us puny humans could comprehend. It could also be. Um, like, if you're looking at it just as a tradition sense, the reason that the Jews fell on sacrificing flocks or the firstborns, rather, lambs, rather than sacrificing just food or sacrificing other things, there is something to be said for the fact that as a shepherd, you have to let, you have to give the flock over which you're shepherding a place to flourish, rather than forcing them to do what you want them to do like you can as a farmer. And from there, we were going to talk about Cain and his wrathfulness and his fallen countenance, right? Yes. I think there's a, a lot to to go about. Do you want um, I really like the comment that you made the other day about how... Um, I think the comment I made the other day does not fit in the story. You don't think so? Okay. Personally, because I see this story as Cain was always bad, mm-hmm. and Cain sacrificed with the goal of not getting anything so he could accuse God of being bad. He did something so that he could later look and say, God, look, you failed me, therefore I have a right to rebel against you. Mm-hmm. That's the way that this story, the way this story is proposed, looks to me. I, I, I disagree with that. Okay. Partly because, I mean, oftentimes you... We can talk about people, you know, trying to find the miracle, right? Yeah. You know, uh, we we talk about, you know, hey, you shouldn't be looking for miracles, but then on the other hand, we're like miracles for miracles. Miracles happen among the true believers, and yeah, you know, there's a, there is something to be kind of said along that, um, but I I think it's still, still applicable, um, because the the action isn't the it's not the inherent action that brings about the blessings right it doesn't bring mm-hmm. about the the respect from god it's uh, it it has to do with you know your your attitudes and your 
um, kind of like where your heart is at. You know, you, you can't go through and say, hey, like, I, I did this action, and therefore, cause and effect, boom, bada, bing, I, you know, I should be able to, um, hey, I served a mission for two years, and I, I should come home and get, you know. And get married. Get married. Yeah, know, that's get, a, get a sick car. Yeah. Um, but how oftentimes do we do that? Like, I, 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 like, even if, I think we're, I mean, that's a very fine line. It is a very fine line of like, where, where is your heart? Um, cause we can take this as, you know, Cain's offering wasn't the right kind of offering. You know, God, yeah. God didn't ask for the fruits of the field. Cain did a, uh, an offering, but he was still expecting something. Yeah. You know, so, he, he did want to, you know, maybe he did want to trick God. Right? That's the way it looks in the story to me. But, is, but uh-huh. I do see where you're coming from, where, as you were proposing before, we've got a member of the church who is like, who is God? I don't know him. You know, I'm and, going to church. I'm trying to make this work. Yeah, just going to church, just going with the flow, not really putting a lot of thought into it, and then they make a half-hearted or a half-thought-out offering to God, and then, as you were saying, they don't they don't get the sacrifice. They, they don't get what they're expecting. Yeah. They, um, you know, it's... We talk about, like, making sacred covenants and being worthy for those covenants. Mm-hmm. If you're, like, if you're not willing... I mean, sacrificing is an ordinance, right? Yeah. Um, if you're not worthy for the ordinance, if your heart isn't all there, it's a half-ditched effort, right? Even if you're like, hey, you know, I, I, I went through the temple, but if you didn't do it by properly repenting and coming with a, a contrite heart, you mm-hmm. know, a contrite spirit and a broken heart, yeah. you know, if you're not ma- actually making those sacrifices then you're going through the motions. Yeah. And you're going... How many people do you know that... I, I know a lot of people that go through the motions and they're like, you know, I put in my eight hours. I expect to be paid. Yeah. Did Did you actually do work? You know, how, how many... Don't you know, call me out there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, is it... That person's me. Uh, you know, sometimes, are you filling out the clock? Do you... I mean, yeah. Um, you know, maybe works a bad. Well, if you look at it, at God, as you know, I, I did my eight hours, the work. If you want to look at the laborers in the vineyard, they're like I did my eleven hours. I want paid, yeah. and they only work one hour. I would like them to only be paid for their one, one hour, hour rather than for the full day, like I am. And that's that's about the point. Yeah, there are similar stories in that way. I I think you're right. Yeah. Um. They, they are very similar stories, because they are a sacrifice, both is a sacrifice of time, right? But God doesn't work that way, right? It, it's not as cut and dry as we make make it appear, mm-hmm. as we talk about it in, in church. We, we hear a lot of, like, I guess, you know, from my own personal stories, like, there's a lot of blessings that I would like to have. You know, mm-hmm. I, I would love to be married. Wouldn't we all? Wouldn't Except we all? the married people, they'd yeah. love to be single again, right? Uh, Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like I, and so I, I sit through a lot of singles wars. Yeah. And, you know, I, I hear a lot of like, 
you know, older people that are like, oh, you know, the Lord blessed me with my wife and, you know, I can't tell you how much my life has changed and, you know, she's the best thing to ever come along since sliced bread. And, and if you want to get married, read the scriptures and go to the temple and faith your way to marriage. Yeah, and, and you know, the Lord will give you that. And, you know, the Lord hasn't for me. And so I look at that, I, I haven't reached the promised land yet. Mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I haven't had that, uh, um, so I look at a lot of those conversations as like, you've made it. You're, you're telling me, like, you've already gone through the wilderness for 40 years and reached the promised land. Who is you? Who, who, uh, like my bishop or, okay. or like, uh, people, okay. the elders in the church that are, you know, they're, they're happily married for 40 years and yeah. they talk about how the gospels strengthen them and, you know, oh, you know, it's, it's all to the gospel and we teach and phrase things like that. But for a lot of us, for me specifically, I'm still trying to figure it out. I haven't reached that promised land. I haven't, you know, I can't, you know, 100% say that God's guided me through my life and, you know, everything's worked out. Mm-hmm. I hope to one day. And that that is where my faith lies. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm hoping that, you know, eventually my sacrifices will be respected by the Lord and I can get showered with blessings or like, I don't even know what uh, Cain and Abel were getting out of doing these. Yeah. Who knows what kind of things that Lord did so that they knew what pleased them, right? Yeah. What, what does he had not, what does he mean by respect? Yeah. We don't, we don't know. We can only make assumptions, right? Genesis doesn't offer us any more information, so. Which is kind of a bummer. It's not surprising because Genesis has less information. <laughs> As we said, oral traditions tend to get shorter over time. And, and so, yeah, that's that's a valid interpretation of this story. Mm-hmm. Um, it may not be your interpretation. I, of I, think, I think that the way that the story is written requires a lot of mental gymnastics to get there, a lot of ignoring certain parts of the story. Yeah, that's fine. Um, to get valid. to that point. And... I think it's a lot easier to get to if you look at it from a Genesis perspective, because I think if there's not malevolence, there's at least indifference mm-hmm. on Cain's part. Um, I think it would be hard to say that he was passionate and he tried and he cared um, from the story of Moses 5. I think that could be said from the story of Genesis 4. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but going back, you know, Cain did love Satan and not God. Yeah. Right? He, he did have, from, from Moses, he did have his, he already picked a side. Yes. When he was doing those ordinances. Yes. And that's why I was saying there's a sign of malevolence. Mm-hmm. I think it would be hard to say that someone was aligned with Satan and not malevolent. Yeah. Unless you were going to go with deceived by Satan, but that's just a very, that's a slant rhyme, right? Like... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I mean, doesn't he say that somewhere? No, but they do say that about people who left the church. Yeah, you're you're right. Yeah. Somehow um, you've been dis. Can, can can I say say whatever you want? There are terminologies that I wish we could remove, and that deceived by Satan 
is one of them because I, I honestly, Living the gospel has to be a personal choice, right? And you can come to your own conclusions, and I can come to my own conclusions, and we have to live according to our own consciences. Right? Yeah. It's not you being deceived, it's you making your own choice. Yeah, it's making a choice out of integrity. And when we say, hey, oh, you know, he's just being deceived, you know, it, you remove that, in that integrity from that person. You remove their agency. Their humanity, right? Like suddenly he's just a pawn of Satan. Mm -hmm. And there's, I find it ironic, since we're going into this, I find it tremendously ironic that a lot of the things I say are documented truths taught by the church. And they're like, oh, you're just deceived by Satan. Like, <laughs> it's, it's in your history, it's in. You're like, I'm, I'm reading out of your handbook. Like, yeah, this is not deceived by Satan. <laughs> it's, <laughs> this is just me rejecting but it, it is the great or or when like um, people are for years deceived by Satan and then three decades later the documents that they had that they produced being deceived by Satan are now on the church's website like I, I do find it ironic mm -hmm. um, somewhat satisfying <laughs> I, I can't say it's not satisfying but, but everyone feels vindicated and loves to feel vindicated right Dude, Facebook's found a way to monetize validation. I know. <laughs> but I Personal hate, validation. I, I can't get too far into validation. Okay. That's dangerous. Yeah. It just becomes an echo chamber at that point, right? Yeah. Anyway. But I, yeah, yeah. So, going back. So, we can take this malevolence of Cain. You know, he, he wanted to... Well, I, I don't know. Because Cain was very wroth. His countenance fell. Like, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not saying that after the sacrifice and mm -hmm. after seeing the difference, Cain was, no, was not malevolent. I'm saying that I think Cain could have been a good person, mm -hmm. done a sacrifice with the best intents of his heart. He's like, I don't have sheep, but I have this. He's like, maybe the commandment hadn't been there, right? In Genesis, there's no thing, there's nowhere where God says that they had to offer, offer sacrifices, and much less sacrifices at the first ones. Block, right mm -hmm. and so sure. I could see I could see Cain and this is my understanding of the story this is what I can stand behind this look Cain went in with full intent he went in saying look I'm gonna let's say we stay I'm gonna I'm gonna do my best I'm gonna do my homework for class mm -hmm. I'm gonna pass this class and it's gonna be great you go to a test and you just bomb right like how easy is it and I, and I go to, maybe I float through the class. Maybe I go to take the test, and it just happens to be what I know, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you put your best effort in. What do you do? This is beyond co-op, right? But what do you do <laughs> when your best efforts just don't matter? Mm -hmm. Like, we all do it. We all, when we're working and we see someone else get promoted, get to the promotion we want, it's like, it's easy. Everyone does it. We all take a second to backbite or to degrade their status or to say, oh, he did this or he just got lucky, right? Like, we all participate. Maybe there are some people who are perfect who don't do this, but we all do something to attack their status and say we're equal to or we're, like, that's 
that's the same thing Cain did. Sure, he went overboard. But I think that's the story of Cain. For me, the story of Cain is, what do you do when your best efforts don't matter and somebody else gets what you were hoping for? And in that situation, they're not saying what to do. They're saying, look, we don't know the answer, but what you don't do is murder them. What you don't do is gossip about them. What you don't do is degrade them. Which you don't you don't attack. Yeah. Well, and I think it's interesting because Cain's anger was with was with God, right? Yeah. Well, but so it was something that God did, but Cain went out of his way to attack his brother. Well, it's, yeah, he can't kill God. Has anyone tried? I mean, that's <laughs> I mean, true. <laughs> Maybe it can be done, but but he didn't. Yeah, like right. If we're looking at this as as a job, I'm working for a company, and let's call the company Google, since we've already established that I want to sell my soul to them. <laughs> I've already sold it to them. I might as well just go all in, right? <laughs> but um, let's say I I we both apply to Google. Um, you're not that hype about or maybe you are and you get in and I don't like it's really easy for me to go to resentment mm -hmm. and pull you down I can't take down Google so what am I going to take my frustration out on and like that that's where Cain's going right he can't take yeah. down God who's he going to go to the person who who benefited from him will take down Abel well and I think it's interesting because I feel like there's a scripture if I remember right that one of the reasons why Cain killed Abel was he was hoping to get uh, Abel's flock. Um, he wanted to assume that role. It's in Moses. It's not in Genesis. It, it's in the. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, thirty-two. Thirty-three. There we go. So thirty-two. Cain went into the field, and Cain talked with Abel, his brother. And it came to pass that while they were in the field, Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew him. And Cain gloried in which he had done, saying, I am free. Surely the flocks of my brother falleth into my hands. So I take you out and, and yeah. send the position to Google because they've got to hire someone? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it, yeah. But, but I think that's what the stories, whether or not it's about inheriting what Abel has, I think. I think you're right in your interpretation of, you know, this is how we can apply it to ourselves. Yeah. Is, you know, you know, how, how, what does our best look like and how do we respond to when things don't work out? Yeah. It's, it's a hard question. I mean, if you were going to talk about gratitude, that's a good way to do it. Um, I think the path out of resentment um, is a path everybody has to walk, and I think it's a path that has to be determined by the person walking it. There are a lot of different solutions. Um, I don't recommend Kane's route. <laughs> uh, I don't re re recommend. Is it fratricide? Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think it is. I don't recommend fratricide. Okay. Or patricide, or yeah, or regicide, or. Yeah. Any of the sides? Yeah. yeah. Maybe a side of hamburger. Oh! oh. <laughs> hey, I eat my a side of fries. Yeah. <laughs> there we go, there we go. That's the solution. We'll eat our resentment. And then have one more thing to be resentment about. But like that, you know, 
that's the hard part, is God's answer to Cain was, look, you just didn't do it right. And maybe he didn't, maybe he did. Maybe, maybe, maybe he, only, he was doing it for the wrong reasons. Maybe his only problem was he did it a decade early. There are, there are many people who have invented things and just been too ahead. There, physicists offered, like, offered the math that we use for computing, and did they get millions? No. Steve Jobs. Who was the bright one who invented computers? It was them. It wasn't really him. Or... Well, I mean, a lot of those mathematicians were all in the Dark Ages, like yeah. the Renaissance. Like, you know, it's so, insane. Sometimes we don't see the fruits of. I mean, that's a whole other discussion, separate from like the Cain story. Is like sometimes you don't see the fruits of what you sacrificed until way later. Yeah. You know, the effects of what you do, what you sow. You don't reap until way late. Yeah. The Maybe the only crime you committed was being a little bit early in what you were doing. Maybe it was being just a little late. Maybe it was putting too much effort. But really, it's like, it's just beyond us to know what's perfect. And I think that's the hard part, is that you don't know. And I don't know. Do you have a solution to this, to the way out of resentment <sighs> when your best efforts, like, you know, if I'm being honest, let's, let's I, I like personal time with, uh, you know, my therapist, you know, I, I deal with a lot of resentment. I deal with a lot of... Makes uh, sense. You're a really, really kind person. I, I'm a really angry person. Those two tend to go hand in hand. It's, do they really? Yeah. You get stepped on and you, you bury the feelings rather than take, you know, actually talking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, the more averse you are to confrontation, the kinder you are, and also... Oh, I love confrontation. Oh, but... well, maybe I'm wrong, but... Those <laughs> but but I, I do try to be very kind. Yeah. And, you know, that's... That is kind of one of my life goals, is to be kind. I would rather be kind... Actually, I, sometimes I'd rather be right. But I carry a lot of resentments, and that's something I deal with, so we're both pain. It's not just yeah, one hey, of us is pain. No, no, no. Hey, hey, you know. <laughs> I think there are benefits to being able to look at all characters and to identify something with all characters. Okay. I mean, all, like, Kane's uh, teaching a story, great story. Kane like, is the protagonist, yeah. right? That doesn't mean he's the good guy. Thanos was the protagonist of Infinity. <laughs> <laughs> um, but... <clears throat> But Cain was the protagonist. He was a fallen hero. Mm-hmm. He was faced with the opportunity to partake of resentment, and he he gladdened himself on it, mm-hmm. right? But you know, if I was to to offer any advice going back to resentment, mm-hmm. I think the only way to really do that is to speak truthfully, to yeah, communicate what you need to communicate. Um, and work through some of those things. Because, mm-hmm. you know, in Cain's story, like, you know, what was he really expecting from God? You know, what was he wanting? Was he wanting to be, you know, the the chieftain that gets to perform the sacrifices? Was he wanting to, you know, what was he looking for, right? And, yeah. and if you can't communicate those feelings, if you can't communicate, 
um, like navigate that relationship with God, if you can't express, you know, have some outlet to, you know, navigate that. I, I mean, that's a whole separate topic, but yeah, does that make sense? That does, and that's a very valid point. Maybe, maybe in the story. So what I'm hearing is you seem to think that Cain might have received the blessings from doing the sacrifice. He just didn't want those things. All we know is God didn't respect his... All we know is that the person writing it thought that Cain didn't feel like God respected it, right? Well, I mean, I've handed, I've gifted my parents so many ugly (laughs) finger-painted paintings. Like, you know, I... One year I gave my mother an action figure. Oh man. For Christmas. Yeah. Did you yeah. make it? No, no. It was like it was like some like Japanese Power Ranger dinosaur oh, action so figure. Funny. Yeah, yeah. What's even funnier is my sister gifted her the exact same action figure because we both wanted that action figure. Yeah, yeah. We were dumb kids. We were <laughs> you were brilliant kids. <laughs> you were brilliant. We knew kids. mom wouldn't play with it. So it was the perfect gift for mom. Oh, man, that's brilliant. And so, you know, like, hey, I look back and I I, I, I cringe. Honestly, I cringe. But I mean, like, Don't we all? if we have a parent-child relationship with God, which I believe we do, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of the things that I care about, I know God doesn't care about except for the only reason that I care about it. You believe that he cares because you care. Because I care. Okay. Yeah, like, does God really care what I do for work? Does God really care if I get married? I hope so, but, you know, he's probably like, you'll figure it out. Yeah. Right? You know, he, you know, I, I, I imagine as a parent you have your own concerns that are beyond your child's concern. And yeah. so, if, you know, if you give a, if your child gives you a, a painting, right, mm-hmm. it may hold a special place in your heart, but, you know, it's not what you need, right? Yeah. You know, if I gave my dad, you know, a rock every time he asked for the wrench underneath the car, I wouldn't help him out very often. Yeah. You know? That makes sense. And so, yeah, I mean... How I I think it's a little bit more complicated, more you know, how do we make these scriptures more relatable and human? And I think the only way is we can uh, take a look through our own personal experience and say, Hey, I kinda relate to this. Yeah. My one of the reasons that from the beginning I given pushback into the idea of Cain being bad from the beginning Mm -hmm. is because I feel like that justifies a lot of judgment. And I feel like it's simply wrong. Like, maybe Cain, maybe that's the way he was. Maybe. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But I put my all. I put my heart and soul. I wanted the church to be what I thought it was. I wanted the church to be true for me. I wanted to believe to say that I don't want to believe in God feels absurd. Like, who wouldn't want the most powerful being in the universe rooting for you? Like, you'd have to be an idiot to not want that. <laughs> who, 
who wouldn't want to believe that there's life with your family after death? It, it's a great belief. I, I would love to believe that, but but I can't. Like, and so the idea that Cain was malevolent from day zero, I think, personally, is dehumanizing for me because mm -hmm. of all people, I I put every micro my heart and soul into that, and I was mm -hmm. destroyed for it. Well, and to put it even further is uh, in the Pearl of Great Price version. It's Cain's actually. Um, was evil from before day zero. Uh, if you read down, fun tidbit here. Uh, when we go to, uh, there's a part where it talks about perdition. Yeah. And um, verse 24. For from this time forth, thou shalt be the father of his lies. Thou shalt be called perdition. For thou wast also before the world. And that's pretty crazy. So that's assigning. So first there, off, there, there's I, some a lot of things to talk about I, in that scripture alone. I but. think I think your defense at the beginning saying that we, Joseph Smith wasn't assigning malevolence from day zero. I think that one's blown out of the water. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I'm going to full scale back on that. And and I think that that has serious implications for someone who leaves the church. Or for someone who wants the church to be true and what it proclaims to be and wants to believe that, but, but can't, for as much as as much as it hurts, for as much heartache as it believes, mm -hmm. they want to have integrity. And I think that that right there is very, very dangerous. I, I actually look at it as the opposite. Oh, so since yeah, I've no, been evil and no. can't believe in God from before the world, I'm destined to an eternity in perdition? God gave Cain the chance. Even though Cain was perdition before this world, God gave Cain the chance. And so, even I, though I was before the world, I got the chance and I'm failing a second time. You know, like, I, I'm not, there's that, I, I'm I look not, at that as very hopeful, but, you know. What's the hope? You know that, you know, that, you know, God is continually giving chance. You know, this isn't, um, you know, um, yeah, but, but, you know, this, it isn't, uh, one mistake and everything's ruined. It is, I, a continual learning experience. I mean, I, you're, you're, you know, you could definitely take that as like, you know, you're evil beforehand and you're evil after, you know. There, there, I'm not saying that he was predestined to this. Mm. Um, God did give him, I guess, a second chance. I think the hard part here is the implication that the only way out of the church is through malevolence. What do you mean by, what do you mean by malevolence? Um, Being the son of perdition by aligning yourself with Satan, by... By right. making a sacrifice, trying to trap God, by making the wrong sacrifice intentionally so that you could have resentment and something to hate God for and take it out on Abel. That's where that's the danger I see. 
because I believe that there are people, I believe that I'm one of them, mm -hmm. that desperately want it to be what it says it is, but can't believe it. Well, and desperately want to believe in a God, but can't for as much as they've tried and much as they wanted. And I think that is made very challenging to see with the demonization of Cain. Mm -hmm. um, I can see that. You don't have to... Uh, sorry to put you on No, no, no. <laughs> sorry to throw myself under the bus. Man, man, I, I, I threw this... Uh, I probably shouldn't have brought up the scripture, but uh, it, Honesty it's here. a doozy. It is a doozy. Um, uh, but, you know, I... You know, I I don't think you have to commit some heinous crime to be free of God's, to become, to free, be free of God's influence, right? I mean, if, if you don't believe in God, then he doesn't... Then I'm back to step one of Cain? He, no, yeah. no, he, he's not a factor in your decision-making. You're right, but he's a factor in the decision-making of everybody in relation to me. And their perception of you, and that's a very difficult thing to to navigate. And you're right, this is... In this belief system, I see a very dangerous, a very, very dangerous narrative here, and that's all I'm putting. Uh, is that, you know, because Cain sinned, he was always... And, I, I agree with you. That and, is a very dangerous belief. And in addition, that there's no, I believe that there's a healthy and a way to leave the church with integrity. Mm -hmm. I believe. I and, agree. And this proposition here says that the only way is through murder. I that no, it doesn't. I, not that's an overstatement. Yeah, I, mean, I think you can just say no. Like the the implication here is that. And I agree that someone who murders somebody, fratricides, somebody who sexually assaults someone, not not particularly great people, not mm -hmm. someone I would look at and say, look, model your life after them. But I think this story of Cain is the backdrop of the way a lot of people in the church talk about ex-Mormons mm -hmm. or people who moved beyond or graduated co-op, right? Mm -hmm. If you want to look at it as there have even been talks in recent history not trying to throw all this in your face. Yeah, yeah, sorry, no, 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 where go ahead. I believe it was Anderson who said basically that ex Mormons are people who like Judas, people who are like Judas, who would betray Christ for thirty pieces of silver. There's my goal, maybe goal is the wrong word. I would love to see the narrative of Cain taken from someone who was always evil to someone who was good who genuinely did their best and failed and resentment grew from that. Mm -hmm. Because I think that's a story everyone can have and I think that this story of Cain and Abel makes it really hard for anyone to identify with Cain. I'd agree with that. No one wants to think of themselves as as evil. Yeah. Right? But uh, I struggle with that 
as a, a perception because I know that, um, like, I don't view myself as a good person. And, uh, you know. Let's well, define good person. Yeah, well, how do you define good person, right? My, my I'm not a good person. Is, uh, you know, I get a lot of people that are like, oh, you know, JT, you're so good. And, and I'm like, um, excuse me? Like, they're, they're I'm barely good enough. That's my <laughs> I woke up this morning. I put pants on. Like, that is my bar. But uh, they're, one of my favorite scriptures is, oh, man, I want to say Mark 519. Is, is where Jesus said, none is good but God? None is good but God. Like, that, I, I don't believe in God specifically, mm-hmm. but when people ask me if I'm good, I'm like, no, I'm not good. Good is without flaw and doing all of the good things. Mm-hmm. Right, like good is a purity, as a thing of purity. Mm-hmm. Purity being in metal purity. If there's one thing that's not, if it's pure steel and there's a little bit of gold in it, it's no longer pure steel, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's goodness is an issue issue of purity in my mind. Mm-hmm. So I can say I'm good enough, close enough to good, and I think that was kind of where you were going, right? Well, and uh, yeah, like we're 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 more complicated than just being good, right? Yeah. And if we... The the fact, it is... I think it's a very dangerous belief to yeah. say that I am good, I am without sin. Oh, yeah. It's... I do not need Christ. Be, or To say that one is good, then it is to imply that they don't need Christ or repentance or the atonement in their lives. I, I think that is a very dangerous belief. And so if you can't relate with Cain and say, oh shoot, like, as a as a good Mormon, as an ex-Mormon, as whoever, if you can't say, oh man, I'm really loving sin, or I'm really loving sane. Like, mm-hmm. if you can't identify those things in your life, then Christ can't work in your life. You have to be, I think it's very important that we do relate with Cain. And as the symbol of all evil. You know, because that that's the way perdition is stated. That's is, the way, like, is all you, evil. you are Satan incarnate, literally, because Satan doesn't have a body. <laughs> but I, I think, I mean... I'm not trying to throw yeah, anything. Yeah, I'm no, trying no, to verify no, understanding. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You're right. If we take it to that extreme, then yes. Um, I mean... Yeah, I I think the story of Cain is a very important one to to study and to identify with. It is really kind of what I'm getting with. Okay. It, it, you know, with Cain, you know, Cain, I think killing your brother is off the deep end. I would agree. Yeah, yeah, like, like, and so, you know, Cain wasn't named that until he went off the deep end. Oh, really? Yeah, I mean, he wasn't perdition. Oh, he was named Perdition after he went off the deep end. Okay. He, he was called Perdition. Yeah. You know, from this point on, you're going to be the father of lies, and you're going to be called Perdition. And you've always been. For thou hast always lust also. So you were Perdition before, but, you know, you came to Earth, you were tilling the ground, you got a second chance, and now you went back. You went back to that. So are you proposing... Maybe this is too far, but are you proposing yeah. that Cain and Abel could be the symbols of us? 
as in Cain is the part of us that hates God, and it was the part of us that wants to be with God, and the process to perdition is assassinating the believer inside of all of us. I really like that symbolism. I think that could be that could be an interpretation. You you do have to kill the believer inside if you if you don't want to believe anymore. No wonder I'm king. <laughs> I'll take it now. No, but like that's or taking it outside just the idea of God. Um, well, and that is perdition, right? Is to I mean we talk about perdition being. Uh, as someone that is in a perdition state is someone that's rejected Christ. You know, I don't need the atonement in my life. Mm-hmm. I don't need... He doesn't need Jesus to die for him. Abel already did. <laughs> and so, <laughs> Sorry, that was not funny, was it? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Enabling your puns. But... Oh, boy. Uh, yeah, no, I think that is... I think that is a very unique perspective. I, I do like the symbolism in that. That... The belief, that's really interesting. You, you do have to kill that part of yourself. If you, if you want to leave, you do have to kill that part of yourself. And, and here's the interesting thing, right? If we look at it that way, then Cain and Abel gave, I mean, they gave different sacrifices in this story, but if we give our sacrifice and we don't get what we want, we can say, hey, we got what we thought we deserved. Or we can say, hey, I didn't get what I wanted. And then from that point, we can choose. Once we choose those, it's a logical conclusion. Are we going to kill the believer? And then it's even cooler, right? If we're beyond just the idea of God, the idea of a system, let's say my job. Mm -hmm. I say, okay, I did this, um, and I get a 2.5% pay rate. I'm like, look, inflation's 7%. And they're like, this is what we could give. And I'm like, the CEO, the CEO got a 30% pay raise. And they're like, sorry, this is the best we could give. Right? At that point, it's not even the CEO is able and I'm Kane. It's I'm Kane and able. I got something. It wasn't what I wanted. Right? Yep. And at that point, I can say the whole system's corrupt. And I can murder my faith in the system. And as soon as I do that, I am perdition to the system. I cannot function or participate in that system healthily. Right? Right. Yeah, no. And as soon as... The hard part, right, is Abel will never never kill Cain. Mm-hmm. So Cain will always be there. And so the end of my participation in the church was when I called malarkey. And was when I decided how I was going to see it. And so, if we want to look at it as a way of participating in systems, it was when the disbelieving part of me killed the believing part of me, or the part that at least wanted was willing to put effort to try to believe, because I never really believed. I tried. And it really was when the part of me that said, hey, how, how much is... How much is too much, you know? Like, let's just say hypothetically, I have a girlfriend... In Peru, I send her a text message every morning and every night. Every morning I say, good morning, I love you, you're amazing, I'm so happy you're in my life. 
Every night, I send her a text to say, hey, my day was amazing. Thank you for being such a loving and willing, happy partner in our relationship. And I'm so glad we could share a day together. She never texts back. Then, let's say I even spend thousands of dollars to send her gifts. And then after doing that for a couple of years, maybe I spend thousands of dollars to fly down and visit her. Um, I go down there for two years, let's say, just hypothetically, right? I go down there for two years, learn an entirely different language, go to her house, and I can walk in the house. I never see her in the house. She never talks to me the whole time I'm down there in Peru. I never even see her. But I come back and I tell all of you, I tell you, my friends, my family, that I had an amazing trip. I never saw her, but I know she loves me because I was able to walk in and I felt so much peace in that house. Um, How long before you tell me that I should give up and it's a waste of my time? Dude, honestly, if she doesn't text back, I definitely think she's an imaginary girlfriend. Like, okay. <laughs> and so my position of my relationship with God uh -huh. is with any other person in the world in any other situation you would tell me that. And I've drawn a line with God. Mm -hmm. And that was me. Um, maybe I did receive things from God, but it was undetectable to me. I would love to see them and I would love to believe them. And so I guess I have killed Abel in that way. And because of that, I have been removed from the system. It's a system that I can't participate in anymore. Sorry, that was no, 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 too no, no. self-discovery issue. Dude, me. dude, dude. Hey, like, this is why I love gospel conversations, is because you know, there is a lot of discovery. Like, you know, learning, identifying, growing. I love it all. So yeah, maybe rather than pure malevolence, I mean, maybe it is pure malevolence, maybe it's something else, but at least in the from the perspective of that system, I can see how if that person, if one person is both pain and able, then they're... I, I really love that analogy. Because that, that is a useful... Yeah. That, that is a useful and applicable interpretation. Where you can decide, hey the thing I got is enough, or the thing I got isn't enough. And depending on that decision, Abel either continues to live and Cain lives in the background, or Cain murders the believer in you. And really, those are the two options. And once you get to the resentment, maybe maybe there's a path out, I don't know. And maybe that's why the mark is there, right? It's not mm -hmm. like... Because, for example, in the church, I could try to participate in the church, but everything I said in the church, people would know by the things I say. You want to talk about marks on your forehead, like... <laughs> say the wrong thing in church? Say the wrong thing in church, <laughs> slip up and say it's theorized or anything like that, and instantly I'm out, right? At uh -huh. the same time, the members have are walking billboards for their lifestyles, right? And so they have their own number, maybe it's 667. Maybe it's seven, seven, seven. But like, if you want to talk about those things, like, I can't participate. I have a mark on me, whether it's the way I interact with people, whether it's the way I talk about things. Um, if we want to look at it that way, I, could, I can see that how that works. 
Do you want to talk about the literal interpretation of the mark in Skins of Blackness, or no? You know, I'll, I'll let you, uh... It's been, it's been a while that we've been talking, so... Yeah, I mean, yeah, it is... That was a blast, and thank you, JT, for joining the episode. Uh, thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, it's been good. I, I learned some things, you learned some things. Yeah. We learned some things. Maybe I should na- rename myself to Kane. Well, thanks again, JT, for joining me once again. You've got an open invitation to come back. It was fantastic talking to you. And for those of you who listen to this content, I would love your feedback, and I would love to know what you've thought on the episodes I've put out so far, which ones you liked, which ones you didn't like, ways you think maybe I can make it better, or even disagreements with the content. I know that I don't know everything, and... Your information and your knowledge would be of great assistance to me. Maybe we can talk things out, and maybe we can both learn something like JT and I did today. Thanks for listening, and I wish you the best of luck as we all hide a collab and beyond.